for By Grace Alone, a ministry of the Antioch Presbyterian Church in Goldsboro. Pastor Kelly Buffalo. And welcome. Good evening and welcome to By Grace Alone. I'm Kelly Buffalo. I'm the pastor of Antioch Presbyterian Church in America. We are located at 2306 Old Smithfield Road and we would love to have you come out and visit with us sometime. This is part of our outreach ministry and we're glad to have you here tonight. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We are particularly looking at verses 6 through 9 this evening. And tonight's message is titled, Tested by Fire. I begin reading at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word, and Lord, we ask for guidance and understanding by your Holy Spirit, Though we pray for the illumination of your spirit on each heart. Lord, bless the reading and the teaching of your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now we are looking at being tested by fire here this evening, but particularly as we begin, I want to reflect for a moment on some of those who maybe collect coins, or perhaps you know someone who collects coins, it's a, quite an interesting hobby that some will have, but if you do know anyone like this, you may be aware from them that the old $5 Indian head gold coin, that particular one typically is copied in various countries uh, overseas. Now, they make these replicas hoping to sell them as genuine articles. They want to sell them as originals. Now, these uh, replicas are made of gold, and so that's not a problem. The problem comes in in that these replicas will not have any value as a collectible coin, often called the numismatic value. These copies, um, they do have value as a gold bullion coin. They're still made of gold, but that's all they would be worth. For example, if you have a, a $5 Indian head coin, a genuine one, uh, that could be worth anywhere between four to five hundred dollars for the coin. However, a gold bullion five dollar coin, if that's all it is, is gold bullion, may be just worth close to two hundred dollars, if that much. So you see there's quite a bit of difference between those. Now that is why these criminals are making copies, making replicas of these gold coins for greater profit. 
And so now if you take one of those to an expert in coins, a coin dealer of some kind, uh, he's going to be able to recognize and tell right away that this is a fraud, this is a fake. Even if it is made out of genuine gold, the coin dealer can tell immediately this is a forgery, this is a fake. Now how can they do that? I have no clue. I'm not a, a coin expert, but certainly these people can. They can look at it and they can tell right away. However, if a coin collector, if a coin collector desires to have a original, a genuine, or if he wants a $5 Indian head coin, he wants the real thing. He doesn't want a copy. He doesn't want a forgery. He doesn't want a fraud. They wouldn't have the same value. The same thing applies to the famous paintings, perhaps, if you may have gone to the museum and seen some of those. But forgeries, uh, those that have been made in the past, uh, some of them have been very good forgeries. They've been uh, excellent ones, in fact. Uh, fantastic forgeries, but there are still copies. There are still fakes. There are still forgeries. And so an art collector, if he is desiring to have a Picasso or, or a Monet, he would want the real thing. He wants the real McCoy, the, the genuine article, not a fake, not a forgery, not a fraud. Even in the same kind of manner, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, He desires genuine believers. He desires a true child of God. He doesn't want a counterfeit. He doesn't want a pretender of the faith, but He wants true, spirit-filled Christians, those who are trusting in Christ alone, those who love Him. However, all of those who would live godly in Christ Jesus, we are told in the Word of God that they will suffer. True, genuine Christians enter into the sufferings of Christ. And suffering is always a reality in the Christian life. It's always there, but it always has a purpose in the Christian life for you and for me. There's always a purpose, and it is this purpose that Peter, here in our text, is teaching in the passage before us. So we will consider two things. First of all, we will consider the joy and grief in the testing by fire. And secondly, we will look at the purpose of a faith tested by fire. And let's make a third point. We will consider and we will rejoice in the outcome of a faith tested by fire. Those three things. And we will see that even in the midst, even in the middle of fiery testing, the Christian can still rejoice with an inexpressible joy, knowing that God is strengthening the Christian's faith, showing, demonstrating that the Christian's faith is true, it is genuine, it is real, and that the Christian is obtaining the goal of their faith. He or she is obtaining that goal. So here we continue our study. We're continuing through Peter's first epistle here, and he is giving hope. He is giving encouragement to the believers who are being persecuted, who have been scattered abroad, and they are suffering severely. And he is encouraging them, giving them hope. And so likewise, we desire to do the same thing with our first point. Look at verse 6 here of your text. Verse 6, here we see the joy and grief in the testing by fire. Verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than the gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory. We'll stop right there. Peter says, first of all, that in this you rejoice, or even better, in this you continue to rejoice. That's the idea of the original language. They are continuing to rejoice. So we must identify what it is, what we are to continue rejoicing in. What is it that we rejoice in? Well, the verses previous to this tell us that it refers to our new birth, our being born again, and it is an anticipation of our salvation because we have been born again and that we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, so we see this. And there's great reason for joy, a reason to rejoice even in the midst of suffering. Now, in this epistle, Peter mentions joy three times. Three times. He wants the suffering Christian to realize that whatever they may be going through now, and, and many of us are going through a lot of trials, I know you are, but even though we're going through them now, all these sufferings will pale in comparison to the joy that is, belongs to the believer, the joy that we will have in eternity when we are with Christ. And we see that in the consummation, the reality of when we enter into heaven, when he says, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, and we enter, and we see that all of a sudden the, the sufferings and the trials, they all seem to be a moment just a blink of an eye, a comma in the sentence of our lives in view of eternity. And so Peter tells a Christian that he must continue to rejoice in the Lord no matter the suffering that takes place, no matter the endurance, no matter the cause, no matter what kind of suffering that we may be going through. Because he tells us, rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. <clears throat> so this reflects the language that we find in James as well. He wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds or various kinds. Consider it pure joy. Now that is almost a, a foreign idea nowadays in modern-day America, to consider it joy when you're going into trials, when you're entering into sufferings. Because typically we withdraw, we pull away, and we say, what can I do to stop the suffering rather than enduring even by the grace of God? Where he says that my grace is sufficient for thee. But here we see the very reality of testing before us here. Peter tells us that as Christians, we have every reason in the world to rejoice with great joy because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, what He has done for us. For God has changed the very life and the very soul of the believer. He has changed the life and soul of the child of God. God has changed the heart. He has changed the will. He has changed the nature of the sinner so that he can repent and believe, so that he can be forgiven, so that he can see the face of God. And there is so much for the Christian to rejoice in. Just consider the very blessings of Christ that you've already experienced, that you know in him. And consider those things to rejoice in, the great joy that we have already in Christ Jesus 
because there's a lot there for us. If we reflect, even count your many blessings, if you will. However, Peter knows here, Peter knows by personal experience, he knows that trials can bring a lot of grief. It can bring a lot of pain, bring a lot of suffering into the very heart of the believer. He knows this. He's not denying this. He says this can happen even while the trial is going on. In other words, Peter is not trying to ignore. He's not trying to pretend that trials are easy. He knows they're hard. He knows they're difficult. You know they're difficult. I do too. So does Peter. So does our Lord. He knows the trials that we face, the sufferings that we endure. He knows that they are grievous and that they are not easy to go through. Now, if you remember, Peter failed. Peter failed in a trial of his life when he was questioned about being a disciple of Christ. When he was questioned, he knows firsthand, he knows that trials can bring grief and suffering and pain. He knows, and so Peter doesn't ignore this fact, but he also wants us to know that even though trials can produce grief, and they will, it doesn't take away, it doesn't rob us, it doesn't steal us from us or remove from us the joy that belongs to those who are in Christ Jesus. It cannot be taken away. It will not be lost. Even though the trials may be grievous to the soul, it will not rob the believer of their joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joy still characterizes the Christian. It still characterizes the child of God. It belongs to him. William Gurnall, the great Puritan, said this, to see a wicked man marry or a Christian sad is alike uncomely. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't exist. It's alike uncomely. It's not a a good thing to see, and we don't desire to see that, to see the wicked Mary or the Christian sad. And Peter here tells us two things about this grief, even in the midst of trials. He tells us, first, it is only for a little while. It doesn't last forever. It's only brief as to when a trial will occur and how long that trial will last. We don't know. Only the Lord knows. Is not for us to know, but in comparison to eternity, in the presence of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, it will seem like a veritable vapor in the desert, like a drop of water upon those sandy dunes that will only exist for a moment. So yes, when you are going through the trials, and you will go through them, it will seem long, and it will seem hard, it will seem difficult, but once it is passed, once you are through the trial, it will only seem as if it was for a moment of time. It was only for a moment, for a little while. Secondly, that Peter tells us these trials only come when God deems them necessary. <clears throat> it will only be according to God's purposes. So we have joy even in that but it'll only be within God's sovereign hand, God's sovereign providence, and all of these will be brought about, and God deems them necessary for our good and for His glory. Now, we must realize that the trials that we experience, all the trials that the believer will go through, the trials come from the very hand of God. They come from His hand, regardless of the form or the type or the extent of the trial. They come from His hand. They are ordained by God, 
as I said, for His glory, for our good. And we must realize that the word is trial, not temptation here. The word is trial. God never tempts anyone, but He will test the Christian to strengthen his faith. He will test you to strengthen your faith so that you may stand even greater in strength by faith in Christ, standing even more, even firmer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the word is trial, not temptation. And so we do know that many of you and many of us, we've all gone through testing. Have you yourself gone through this testing by fire? Do you feel like your faith has been going through this trial on and on? It is a trial of your faith, but are you stronger for it? Have you looked back at all the trials and the sufferings that you've already gone through, and are you stronger today than you were back then? Because that is the strengthening of your faith even by the testing by fire that we may all go through and endure. It can be very grievous, but it doesn't rob us of our joy. The suffering is for a moment. Your faith should always be stronger than it was, and that should bring you greater joy, which leads to our second point. Look at verse 7 again. Faith tested by fire. Verse 7 so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Glorious words indeed. And here we see the purpose of the testing. We see the very purpose. After all, every Christian, we all want to know this, basically this, why do I have to experience trials of fire in my life? Why do I have to go through this testing in my life? Why can't I just bypass the whole trial situation, the whole testing scenario? Why can't I just get past all that? It's not fun. I don't enjoy it. It causes grief. It causes pain. Why can't God just zap me with a lightning bolt or somehow and make me perfect now, today, make me perfect so that I don't have to go through the testing by fire? Now, we all want to bypass suffering. We don't like pain. We don't like trials. We all want to escape any grief as well. But, but we should desire God's will. And He is sanctifying the body of Christ. He is sanctifying the believer, even through these trials, even through this testing. And why is this? Peter tells us, so our faith may be tested out or proven genuine. That is why. And so, now, let's reflect for a moment. Doesn't God know? We might even ask this yourself in your own heart. Doesn't God know if my faith is real? Doesn't He know? If God is God, doesn't He know if I have a genuine faith? Why do I need testing? Of course He knows if you have genuine faith or not. So, who is testing? Who is their faith being proven to? It's being proven to us to each one of us. And so we see the strength uh, or weakness of our faith through this testing, and we see our need for more holiness in our lives. We see our need to be sanctified day by day, more and more, being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we all desire to make us more like your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make us more like Jesus. That should be the believer's hope. That should be our desire. Now, when God told Abraham to offer up his son Isaac, 
Didn't God know if Abraham would do so or not? Of course he did. He is God omniscient. He knows all things. When God gave Satan permission to attack Job, didn't God know if Job would be faithful or not? Of course, God knew all this. He is all-knowing. But the testing of faith shows the genuineness of a person's faith. We learn from the testing by fire of those in the past. Since God tested Abraham and he tested Job, we know, we, are, we ourselves know, that they were faithful. And it was for our instruction as well as theirs, so that they knew they had genuine faith. <clears throat> we see in our text the genuineness of faith established. It is established through testing. The Word says, The tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire. James says, The testing of your faith develops perseverance. Peter compares it to the refining of gold which perishes. Now, gold is, was the monetary standard for centuries. It uh, was our monetary standard here in America for a long time as well. But faith is greater than gold. Faith is greater than gold. Why is that? Because faith originates in heaven. Faith is a gift of God. Gold will eventually perish. Gold must be refined by fire so that all the impurities can be removed. So if gold which perishes must be purified, how much more should faith be tested and even proven genuine in the Christian life? We are being sanctified more and more. Testing is a part of that, and it's necessary, and we must rejoice that the Lord is making us more like Jesus. The tested faith of the Christian has results in his life. It results in his life. Day by day, it has results. Testing results, here it says, in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It results in praise as a Christian proclaims his gratitude to the Lord for what he has done in his life. The Christian shares in glory and honor at the return of Christ. We share in that, and we will all sing to the Lord forever and ever and ever throughout all eternity, and God will prove our faith to be genuine, and then He will reward it at the last day. Will your faith be tested as genuine? Will it be proven as genuine? Do you truly have faith in Christ? God knows. God knows even now, but do you know? When your faith is tested by fire, do you know that you have genuine faith? Are you trusting Christ? So yes, Christians will experience trials. They will, and they will be tested, and they will be proven to have true, genuine faith in Christ. They will be proven to actually have this. And God will certainly test His people. And when they are tested, they will be stronger in their faith than they ever were before which leads to our final point. Look at verses 8 and 9. We see the outcome of a faith tested by fire. Verses 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, now you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now when the gold has been smelted and the impurities have been brought to the very surface and they've been scraped away, all that remains is purified and it shines. So will the genuine faith of the believer, so will the genuine tested faith of the Christian, and they will shine in the glory of God. They will shine and their faith will be pure. 
as they are even sanctified and perfected in Christ. And we see in verse 8, the Christian's blessed faith is proven. After all the trials are over, after all the testing is completed, the Christian shines in the glory of true faith in Christ. Peter, Peter speaks of love. He speaks of belief and joy. And this verse, now, when Peter wrote these words, he implied, first of all, that, that he himself had seen the Lord, but they did not. They had not. He wrote, though you have not seen him, and then he speaks in the present tense, even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Peter saw Christ before and after the resurrection. They loved the Lord. Here, these believers, they loved the Lord Jesus Christ without ever having seen him. That's a genuine faith. That is a good, strong faith. And Jesus himself even says, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me. If you're trusting in Christ, that is us. And even though they had not seen Christ, they loved Him. Even though they did not see Christ, they believed in Him. And because of this faith and because of this love for Christ, the Christian has great joy indeed. Great joy. As Peter, he uses uh, two words to describe this joy here in our text. It says it's inexpressible and glorious. And the word inexpressible this word doesn't occur anywhere else in the New Testament. Here, this particular one, this word refers to a person who can't verbally express his joy, at least not in human terms. The Christian is not able to convey the depth of joy that he has in Christ. It is glorious and filled with glory. And you ask how? If you're approached for Christ, blessed are you because the spirit of glory and of God is resting upon you. Glory characterizes the Christian's joy. And then we see the second outcome of a test of faith, the Christian's realization of full salvation in verse 9. Because even now, the believer possesses salvation full and free, a true salvation, but the day is coming. The day is coming when the Christian will have the complete realization, the complete possession of his eternal inheritance in Christ. When we are changed in the twinkling of an eye, we put on glorified bodies, we enter into the joy of our Lord, joy inexpressible and full of glory. As we come into the realization, the complete possession of our inheritance, on that day, the Christian body and soul welcomed in the presence of God into the eternal joy of heaven, beholding the face of Christ our Savior. Will you be ready for the day of judgment? Because today is the day of salvation. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but you have today. Will you be ready? Have you received the salvation of your soul? whom, having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Everything of salvation a believer receives comes to him in Christ. You must receive Christ by faith. Cling to him, and you'll have life. Please join us next week here at the same time and the same channel. And God bless you, saints. Thank you for joining us today for By Grace Alone, a ministry of the Antioch Presbyterian Church, located 2306 Old Smithfield Road in Goldsboro. For additional information, you may call 919-735-3623 or visit us online at www.antiochpca.org.
www.goldsboro.com. Join us again next week for By Grace Alone with Pastor Kelly Buffalo.